This episode is sponsored by ReCut. Welcome to The Upload Iceberg, a show where we talk about the journey, data, and process of growing a YouTube channel. If the upload is the content you see above the water, I'll cover everything that you can't see in the murky depths below the surface. My name is Dan Yashua, and we'll cover my self-titled photography YouTube channel. I'll publish new episodes after hitting subscriber milestones. And this is episode four, recorded after hitting 2,800 subscribers on July 3rd, 2023. Today is October 4th. Still playing catch up as we kick off this new show. We have a few more episodes to catch up to that current 3,000 subscriber milestone. But today is very special. I talked about ReCut in episode three around affiliate marketing. But since I found ReCut, I've used it on all of my projects since. It's an automatic video editor tool that removes the silence based on parameters that you can dial in. And it's just been one of those no-brainer products for me. We can open our A-roll track, our OBS screen record and good audio. We can line up the waveforms and export a cut video file or XML to nicely bring all of the cuts into Premiere or our favorite editor. It quickly cleans up A-roll for my lens reviews and it eliminates pauses here on this podcast so that the audio track is more listenable. It's simple, powerful, a one-time payment, and the trial is a fully featured trial to experiment with five exports. If you edit video and you spend any time cutting out silence, I think it's worth at least a try. And if it works for you, you can use my affiliate link in the description for $10 off. Our title or main topic today is going to be around replicating successful videos, or to the extent that I've achieved any kind of success in a few of my videos, trying to talk through how to take away what you've learned from them and replicate it. This milestone period was from June 6th. 2023 until July 3rd, 2023. So that's our 28 day analytics window where we hit 2,800 subscribers. I think for the thumbnail, because the video we're gonna be focusing on from that time period is around the 70 to 200 F4. I'm gonna make a thumbnail with this, you know, make a crazy face that I definitely don't do in my regular videos, but I find funny to do here. So we'll stare at the 70 to 200 like this, this. Yeah, that looks perfect. Maybe a thumbs up. Yeah, that's great. All right, outline, current day, is 10-4, just started October. We're gonna hit a few things at the top around current channel behavior. Number one, just launched the video for the RF 100 to 400. Before we get to that, uh, oh wow, 3,070 subscribers live, real time. I just launched the video for the RF 100 to 400. And this was an interesting one. Um, this is probably, I think for the first time on this show, kind of the fastest that we're getting to look at analytics for any particular video. At the start, if we come back to the dashboard, we've got a three out of 10 and uh, very happy with that. You know, I think you've probably heard plenty of creators talk about this, um, this YouTube ranking by views. I think I've talked about it early on in the show. It, some people like it, some people hate it. Some people find it extremely unhealthy. Um, where I kind of lie on this spectrum is I'd rather have the data than not. So having this kind of cohort analysis for the first, you know, however many days of your most recent video launch, I love seeing this. It does suck to get a 10 out of 10. That's just not a good feeling. Um, and I had fairly high hopes for this video. Um, but realized that it would probably not do as well as some of these others. So kind of falling exactly where I expected, um, but was a really fun one to make and something that I shot for months to kind of compile and get some thoughts around and feel more solidified and in, in what I was feeling around that lens. And yeah, had a lot of fun on the trips that I took it on. So good start. That's what just came out at the end of September, start of October, almost at 3,100 subscribers. So that's kind of current day. 
you'll, well, you probably can't notice, but I'm down a monitor. I'm down my typical seat. We're down a light in the corner. I'm moving in two days. So other side of this camera, you've just got bags and boxes. I might try to record one more episode of this tomorrow if I can, but it might be audio only. So we might try an audio only episode recording cross-legged on the floor. We'll see. Uh, but that's kind of what I'm up to right now. And we'll be headed across the country to Colorado. By the time this comes out, might be driving, might already be there. Um, so that's going to be exciting. Not sure which videos I'll make exactly outside of some of the stuff that I already have planned, um, but excited just to go out there and spend time and shoot. What else do we have at the top here? And then, yeah, the recut sponsorship. That's the first true sponsorship on this channel. So that's something that we'll definitely spend some time talking about and kind of catch up on the 3000, 3100 subscriber episode probably. Um, but super glad I found that tool and have been using it actively since finding it. And we're cheating on my normal pamplemousse, pamplemusa with a passion fruit today for the careful observers. That brings us to kind of the main topic, replicating successful videos. We're going to talk a lot about the 24 to 105 F4 and the 70 to 200 because I've made a lot of videos that have gone on to do generally well in search for a channel my size over the period of time that I've owned them. And uh, that's a big reason why I think they do well is they're just popular and more searchable. And I think there's more, there's a larger pie to like try to attack those topics and get a slice of those views. Um, and that sounds, you know, fairly greasy when you say it like that, but we'll get into why I don't think that is. Um, I think making videos around something that's super popular is a great way to start learning and getting traction as a small channel. So we'll dive into that. But I think we've got, I've tried to prep my tabs a little bit better this time. Let's look at our general analytics from this period first. Can I do that in a little bit of a reverse order than we have in the past? So this is the current 28 day period. Audio only listeners, love you to death. 18,000 views, about 800 watch hours, 75 subscribers and 40 bucks is the current period and the period from June 6th to the July 3rd milestone looks fairly similar. Subscribers a little bit less at 50, watch time at 700, views at 17 and a half thousand, also about 40 bucks. Generally, like at that time, pretty steady, pretty standard. I hadn't released a ton of videos around this period. Right at the end, before hitting this milestone, I came out with the two-year review on the 70 to 200 F4. Um, so we'll look at that video specifically. Did fairly well, right? Like it was built to replicate some previous success, and that's what we're talking about. So if we jump into that. All right, so this is the 70 to 200 analytics page. We have about 9,000 views in just under 100 days. And this is an example of something kind of like this is a video every everything that I could hope for is happening here in terms of traction first of all it's just like making this video or spending time shooting with this lens is fun regardless whether I make a video whether I don't it's probably it's hard to pick a favorite lens but this is probably it and it probably has been since I've had it for a while now. So, um, you know, this is where you start to, this is where YouTube is fun, right? You're making videos about stuff that you already use, already love, and this was a good one. And I think notably, a lot of the videos on my channel that go to get some traction have largely search traffic driving um, that set of views. In this instance, we have a lot of browse and suggested traffic as well. And I think that's where you start to see maybe some of this takeoff happening. And this will probably, 
because I have a few videos around this lens that all still sort of get some traffic, this will probably continue to do well kind of in a linear fashion for you know, a long time to come. And I'll probably make another video about it at some point. So that's kind of what I love to see. And as a small channel, this is, this is great, I would say, for me. The click-through rate is decent, around 7% over the life. And um, it's a longer video, like 10 minutes. Pushing 10 minutes is long for my channel. And I've got people generally watching through a little less than half, but with four minutes of average view duration. So again, compared to the rest of my channel, that's pretty good. And there's, so this is kind of one way to replicate success, to try to look at topics that have done well on your channel. And this is fairly easy with a photography channel um, because topics are, can be separated by gear or techniques. Um, in this case, obviously gear. And if we look at some of these other 70 to 200s, what I'm trying to do, this is my, I think, original review that I launched on the same day as the 2.8 and F4 comparison that has done really well for the life of the channel, really brought in a lot of new people. And I was just like a video I think I've talked about in the past, like kind of took a risk to rent the F2.8 version at the same time as the F4 version and just basically had a super tiring like week or two where I shot a ton of photos and just wanted to evaluate for myself if the 2.8, like if I had gone that route, if I would be, you know, missing anything or if that would be overkill for me and kind of, you know, based on that trial determined that the F4 was something that I could probably shoot for or shoot with rather like very happily in the near term and probably long term as well. This is kind of before I got deeper into, I call it landscape, but like deeper before I started taking a lot of pictures while hiking. And so, um, you know, I wasn't totally sure that this was a lens that I would often use just kind of parked at F8 or F4. Um, and still getting nice results for taking pictures of people. But that's kind of what I was banking on at the time. And it panned out to work out really well for me. And I think like one of the things here, when I look at this video and you look back at the analytics, what am I trying to think about before making this two year review? Right. And one of the things is certainly the thumbnail. This thumbnail averages about 9% over the life of the video, which is fairly good for my channel. It's enough to keep getting some traffic there. And so I wanted to recreate how this looked in this new two-year thumbnail. And the powerful element that you can see here is just like lens kind of prominently um, in focus here and in, in focus, not in the photography sense, but, you know, prominently displayed here is this lens could probably be bigger, to be honest. Um, this could probably be a much bigger um, zoomed in view of this particular lens just to fill the frame of the thumbnail. But also this F4 text, I try to keep the text sort of minimal. And so, you know, having this F4 do a lot of the heavy lifting in displaying to a potential viewer what this is about, you know, white 70 to 200 could be either the F4 or F2.8 at a distance, but just kind of clearly calling out like this is one of the Canon's white zooms and it's the F4 version quickly communicates what this is about. And then you have a little bit room, a little bit of room to play in the title. And I like to try to just double down on that exact name because that's typically exactly what people are searching in autocomplete if they're searching. And then on this lens, same thing, wanted to duplicate kind of that F4, you know, using some valuable real estate here to call out two years, two years in the context of a lens review, in my mind, and, you know, tell me if this is any different for you, that just screams, like, I don't have to write review anywhere, but just displaying two years and having this style of thumbnail just kind of screams out to me, like, this is a review, um, you know, the, the uploader has used this lens 
for a while or has some thoughts. And then this Canon RF 7200 text here is kind of too small to read. And that's kind of by design. Like I don't want you focusing on that. It's there in case you take a closer look and spend time here. But um, you know, these are the two focused text elements along with the lens prominently displayed again. So number one, if you can replicate thumbnail success for videos that you have done in the past, try to. It's a little like a no-brainer. There's obviously some room for error depending on which title you match that up with and how that and how the viewer interacts with that. But I've done the same thing with the 24 to 105s in regards to the thumbnail, at least. So if we look at these two videos, I have a six-month review with the 24 to 105. I think in this video I took a lot of shots. I mean, a lot of shots from Colorado. Yeah, so a lot of shots from Colorado and my road trip the first time. So this is great timing, and you know, just using that in the wheelhouse that I think this is great for. Massive range, f4 throughout, weather ceiling, relatively compact. You know, if you told me I could only pick one lens and I, you know, couldn't cheat by having a little prime as well, I would be it would be tough not to pick this lens just to have the middle of the range. You know, I think I'd want to maybe lean toward the 70 to 200, but just overall for what I shoot most and what I like shooting, this would probably be making the most sense out of the lenses that I have currently. And so that's kind of like the things I wanted to hammer home there. And when I go to make a video focused on this long-term review, you know, also playing kind of that two-year review element here, but in terms of the visual of the thumbnail, really trying to match that up almost exactly. You know, lens off-center one side with the review text, the 24 to 105 text being pretty prominent. So I've done that here. I've called out that it's the F4 again to delineate between someone who might be searching for uh, the STM version or the F2.8 version and kind of displaying a landscape here. This is Ireland. And if you're familiar with the cliffs, um, sort of a recognizable scene, you know, I'm not really banking on that scene to be recognizable, but just kind of using another cut landscape scene here and just trying to copy this thumbnail almost exactly. If we look at the click-through rate on the six-month review video, pretty steady for a long time. And then obviously as people come out with other videos and this becomes maybe less relevant or it's facing increased competition, click-through rate is going to bounce all over the place here, averaging about 10% over the life of the video. And then this one, the two-year review, averages about 10 as well. And so just really happy with kind of how, how I was able to format this second two-year review in a similar way, kind of take what I've learned from the six-month review and try to repackage it with my updated thoughts. Obviously, a ton of new photos and clips. You know, comment more. Take another updated take at this lens and, and package it in a way that actually does well enough to get seen. And some of the similarities don't stop at the thumbnail, right? So this video is four minutes and 26 seconds. This is 538, the six month review, both relatively short, probably a little bit shorter than average for my channel and short for YouTube, I would say generally. And so part of that is just like, I know after the six month review, kind of what I can shoot for in terms of average view duration or you know percentage view to the, of the video. How can I stick kind of close to that and try to replicate it. And so in this five minutes and 38 seconds in the six month review, I've got um, an average review duration of two minutes and 17 seconds for 41%. And in the two year review, um, shorter video 426, but we're still getting two minutes and three seconds. So almost the same average view duration with a shorter video and thus a 
higher percentage, average percentage viewed at 46, 47. And I haven't watched back the intros. Like these intros might be a little bit different. How many people do we have by 30 seconds still? So in the two year review, you've got 62 people still watching at 30 seconds. And on the six month review, you've got about the same 63% watching by 30 seconds. So this might be different approaches in the intros. I honestly haven't watched them um, too recently, but learning about your intro is something you sort of do over time and just trying to figure out what works for lens review and what doesn't is good to just rule out. And those things you're kind of keeping in the back of your mind as well. Speaking of the intros, another way I've tried to replicate success is to use like a format where I've spoiled the conclusion or basically lead with my thesis right up front. Like I'm not trying to do any funny business to string viewers along to get to the end of the video to get that like one piece of super knowledgeable, um, you know, super knowledgeable tidbit or super exciting crescendo in the video, just like spoil that immediately right up front and kind of tried to build some goodwill with the viewer. Like, hey, this is kind of where this video is going. It serves like spoiling with the conclusion up front serves to get everybody on the same page. A viewer can make the, you know, if that conclusion sort of aligns with your thumbnail or, you know, is in the general same region of expectations can be a good indicator to a viewer to be like, okay, this matches everything that I've expected so far. Let me continue to watch through the duration. And a good example of this is the 50 millimeter F1.4 EF version a long time ago. So this video has been out for three years, three years and still getting a few views. And that's one where I really, you know, pretty forcefully up front said, you know, I, I've used this lens. The one four is kind of nice, but to my recollection, like fairly soft and at least not super contrasty when stopped down at one four. And so while it did improve when you stop down, it's kind of like, I think at the time it was $300. Uh, I'm sure I mentioned it here and I probably should have rewatched, but it was expensive compared to the F1.8. And I think just kind of getting that nifty 50 is the play for most people, particularly I don't. I can't remember if this had a weather sealing gasket, but I don't think it does. And so just like not a ton of it, ton of advantages with this lens that would necessitate spending that much more money. You know, I think to pick up a nifty 50 used, especially is something super cheap on the EF mount and probably just the way to go for most people. Um, so this was the first piece of gear. I didn't completely regret this. Like I used this pretty thoroughly and used it, adapted on the RP, liked it. And it was kind of nice to play around with the F1.4 and just kind of realize, um, you know, that F1.4, F1.8 doesn't make a ton of difference um, in most situations and maybe something that you could skip. So that was just like a lesson that I learned early, relatively early in my photography journey and wanted to, you know, spoil this video with that conclusion up front. All that to say, I got a lot of good feedback in the comments around that and the engagement didn't really suffer because of that compared to other videos. Obviously, like I'm still struggling with this massive drop in the intro with basically everything that I create, um, but like nobody flees after this point and this looks looks pretty normal compared to other videos. If we compare this retention graph to others, relatively high until about 4.30 minute or the four minute 30 second mark. And so one thing, you know, I haven't done a ton of this, but if there are videos, if you've watched the 100 to 400 video that just came out, try to do the same thing. Kind of lead with my take, who exactly I think this is for, or what's good about it, what's bad about it, what to consider right at the top. So as a chapter, I literally mark this as conclusion verdict and 33 seconds into the video. So that's what I'm trying to do in the, the jury verdict is still out on how well this does on this video in particular. If we look at this retention graph, this is a massive drop here. You know, not many 
28 days, you know, almost four days into this. So it's a little bit difficult to draw any kind of conclusions. We also have just a different traffic pattern here so far. Most of this traffic in the first three, four days is coming from browse when I know typically my videos do well in search over time. So this hasn't really been, you can see YouTube trying to push it out to search a little bit, um, but I feel like it hasn't, it hasn't gotten to the point where YouTube has ascertained, you know, what, what this click-through rate for search is gonna be and is it, is it worth showing? And so, you know, I think that's yet to be determined, probably will get tested. You know, typically in this four to seven day range, YouTube is gonna give it a bigger try at search if it looks like it has any search potential. So, you know, I try not to try not to dive too deep into these click through rates early on in a video's lifespan. But I think, you know, if this is still relatively this is a lower click through rate than I would hope for. And if this is still kind of on this three, four, five percent level toward the end of this first week, my guess is that this this particular video might not do super well because it doesn't get shown in search. It's always possible that maybe, you know, YouTube finds an audience that doesn't quite flee as fast. And if this retention graph improves for a certain subject or a certain certain subset of audience members, then maybe this gets pushed out more to browse or suggested. Um, so too early, too early to tell, but that's kind of what I'm trying to recreate in this 100 to 400 is that spoiled conclusion. If this ends up doing a little bit better, that might be something I try to do more often. And like, if you lean into that to some extent, you know, he would have to tell me, but I think some viewers would be like, okay, if I watch one of Dan's videos, I know he's going to jump right into that conclusion, lead with it. I appreciate that. And it kind of builds goodwill that might be enough to warrant a subscription, things like that. And the bigger goal here for me in terms of learning, trying to replicate the success is kind of like, how can I lean into some of these areas where I think I've grown without diving like head first into the full on Mr. Beast style mouth agape thumbnails, at least not mouth agape thumbnails, ironically, like I've been doing here for some of these. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. There's a million ground somewhere between, you know, carving out some search and recommended browse traffic and trying to use the latest, craziest, um, I don't know, jarring editing techniques don't fit a lot of um, niches. Like I don't like it, it's kind of it would be fun to bring that style of video once to a lens review, but that would get so boring eventually. And I'm as a viewer, like really, really sick of some of the just like standard cookie cutter largest videos on YouTube using that style. I can appreciate it from a growth perspective. You know, I watch some of them just to try to learn some things and some of them I even appreciate just from a general watchability standpoint, but it's tough, right? Like I don't want all my videos like that. And I think that we're going to see a little bit of a, a pushback or resurgence on YouTube against some of those videos at the, at the top tier of creators. I think some of that is going to slow down just a little bit. And I think YouTube over time will probably tweak viewer signals and what drives views because I don't know that that's super sustainable. Like those videos feel like we talked about videos of shorts being sort of like junk food and long form videos being, you know, the vegetables. I think that super engaging, highly edited, attention stealing type of video is already to the point where it feels overused. Like I just don't feel great about watching a couple of those in a row. And so when we talk about kind of these 24 to 105 thumbnails, I think it's super important to try to find out, you know, experiment with the thumbnails that you want to make that you think might do well and find the middle between exactly what you would post as a thumbnail and what works well and try to find when you do find something that works, you know, replicating it is a quick shortcut to avoid making a bad thumbnail. 
Like I probably, if I were to make a three-year review on this lens or another just travel related video, like I think that's something that I'll end up doing on trips is here's the RF to RF 24 to 105 and I'm taking it to this location. And that's going to be the thumbnail, right? Like this could easily be the, the RF 24 to 105 in Ireland and it could be the same thumbnail essentially. I don't want to, like, I'm not going to take big bets on thumbnails. I don't think, um, you know, I'll keep using something like this until it doesn't work. And then going back to the start of the episode, that concept of like targeting, targeting some topic that has a lot of traffic around it so that you can steal a little slice of that pie. These lenses are great examples. This is not, I don't mean to say this is not a lot of work, but you don't have to do that much to make, I think, a compelling video for the 70 to 200 f4 lens. If you think about this, like a lot of people are looking to compare this version to the f2.8, or they're maybe even comparing it to something like the 24 to 240, I think it is. You know, with the 24 to 105, a lot of people are comparing this to the f2.8. What are they missing in that 70 to 105 range if they were to skip it? A lot of people are comparing this to the STM version. And what I mean by you don't have to do that much for that video, it might be a lot of work to create the video, but you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to like come up with some super novel idea. My videos, when you really boil it down, are like me taking photos pre-video, then sharing the photos in an outline that masquerades as a review. And not again, not in a nefarious way. I'm trying to provide my personal take and tell you what I like or what I don't like, but it's not like a super technical step-by-step spec walkthrough review that you see other people making. And so you can just kind of show up, do your thing. And if you sort of package it like a YouTube video, um, it can do well. And I think that's where it's important to experiment there. If you can do it in a space where there's a lot of views so that you can try to siphon some of those off as you learn and just be one small part of the search results for something like this. And then if you find things that are working, things like these thumbnails, um, things like maybe the duration of the video, things like maybe the intro, try to replicate those and double down on those when appropriate. And maybe ditch the sections that aren't working, all with the understanding that you still have to make videos that are super fun for you to make. And there's one more thing you can do as well. Um, kind of the opposite of trying to siphon off some views from a topic that's well searched or viewed. If you can find like a niche that interests you or like another hobby that's completely unrelated to um, photos or videos or content creation, just like any one of your random hobbies that you're also pretty deep into. For me, it's hockey. If you can find something that doesn't have a lot of content created or that companies in the space, you can tell don't quite have like a full grasp on, on their content market marketing on YouTube specifically, um, or there's just lower views in general, you can often sneak into those niches and really kind of build some authority. So what I've done in that space, if you search the Sparks Skate Sharpener, S-P-A-R-X, it's a home skate sharpener. It's not something that if, uh, if you don't play hockey, you would have never heard of it or would not know anything about this. Um, but it is big in the hockey world. They've made, Sparks has made a great product. They just didn't have a ton of, you know, videos around this or like other people's unboxings in this space didn't have a super high production value. You know, like in any space, there's a couple big hockey influencers. Um, Coach Jeremy here is is definitely one of them. And some of these older than hockey tutorials, another from that, Chris from that channel. So you have some of these big players, but at the same time, just because I was able to kind of 
make a thesis-driven video with a different kind of take, um, I was able to get a video that does pretty well in search and has for years. And I just made another one a couple weeks ago to try to replicate that. So similar theme, trying to replicate what works, but if you attack a smaller niche with a lot less views, that can be a good way to build some authority. And one thing that I've learned from making some videos in like the hockey side of things, that channel is even tinier than this photo channel, but the competition is way lower and you're definitely not fighting anyone for like production value. If you have like a little YouTube, a little video and a little photo know-how, you can stand out in pretty much any other niche and no one's going to be, you know, pixel peeping, whether your 4K is good enough, people aren't going to be ripping your audio. Not that that happens to me on my photo channel, but I see that happening to others in this particular space. And that's just not going to happen on other channels and other spaces. In the photo space, I feel like your videos have to look a certain way. Like I would really would like to produce these videos in 4K. I'd really not like to have my exposure completely jacked up because it does reflect on your credibility. Whereas if you're unboxing a skate sharpener, you don't really need um, to have all those things dialed in in the same way that I think you do need to probably have them dialed in for people to take you seriously on a photo channel. So that's another strategy I would say, like if you're starting, like if you're listening to this from interest, cool. If you're starting a channel and you're into photography, videography, and you want to go into this space, great, like do it. Um, I think it's like to jump in here and play around is great. And it lends itself to a lot of products that are really searchable. And I think targeting search is a great way to get started. I would also say like maybe give yourself the freedom to make videos across a whole bunch of topics, either on your first channel or just spin up a second or third channel to dive into some of those other hobbies just to play around and learn a little bit more about YouTube. I think one thing that I found by, you know, producing the occasional video on that hockey channel is that things you think you know about YouTube in different niches are completely different. And so it's good to get a look into those. So this is kind of a short one, but I didn't have a ton of videos around this milestone time. Let's see what else we have. If we zoom out to 90 days here, um, a little bit farther. Let's go out to the full 365. So this video, the 70 to 200 during this milestone time came out on July 2nd, right when we reviewed this. And then afterwards, I tried a few Lightroom shorts. Probably won't cover those a ton in the 2900 milestone video. Let's see, when do we hit 2900? Um, to 90 days. When we jump ahead to 2900, that was right on August 2nd or 3rd. Mm, what else do we have coming out around then? And so August 2nd, I was probably deep into um, putting this RF 28 millimeter pancake video together, which you already kind of talked about. Um, we'll revisit that next episode, kind of this next period of time looking forward. Um, and maybe we'll talk about a few of these shorts and how they didn't do that great. Kind of go back to my, not my hatred, but my general dislike of shorts. Um, although this 100 to 400, there, there's probably something to mention about how shorts can now be linked to long form videos. So one thing that I did this RF 100 to 400 video is I linked it to the long form when I released that. So too early to say if that has any impact on either of these pieces of content, but maybe that's something that we can get into. Uh, but that's what we were looking at for 2800. And, uh, you know, that's when I really started to buckle down and 
commit to producing this show at some point. Um, obviously, it took a while to still get that first one out. But around that time was when I was thinking a lot about this and doing a lot of shooting. So I think that's kind of for that period of time. And I think that's it for the success replication comparisons. If there's anything left on that 70 to 200 to look at from an analytics standpoint, um, I don't think so. One thing we should look at real quick is just that this F4 versus F2870 to 200, I suppose. So this video, you know, selfishly was hoping this might get to 100,000 views because it's the only video that I have that has a shot at it, um, but it's still far away and it'll probably die off before then. But this was the video that I rented the F28 at the same time I purchased the F4, kind of took a big bet. And it felt so scary at the time to rent that F28. I think it was like 150 bucks, maybe something like that. I probably mentioned it in this video, but this video did really well. There were, I don't think really any comparisons of these two lenses at the same time out by that point. And so this was one of those things where you, know, you really just kind of, I don't know, you really own some of that traffic around this search term when you're one of the few or only option. And I think the interesting thing is uh, Frono's photo video comparison on these two lenses came out, um, you know, 150 days after or something. And my click-through rate dropped that day and stayed low. So you can kind of see where competition on this video comes out. And that's really cool to see in the analytics when you're kind of first to a space. And like clearly something's happening around here. Either YouTube is shopping this video around differently or other people are coming out with reviews and it's been variable since. But, you know, before other videos start Started, um, hitting YouTube around direct comparisons. Pretty steady here, which is really interesting. Um, and the engagement is about the same, but you can see there are other options, other people's videos that are out that are also great. Um, so if you have a video that's the only one in the space, don't expect it to be like that forever. That's for sure. But this still, I don't know, maybe gets 50 views a day sometimes. And so that's really, it's a really interesting thing if you can produce another piece of content around this lens that's just as helpful, just as insightful, adds on in some way. You know, I think that's going to be one of the things on the roadmap coming up. One of the things that I try to do around the um, 28 millimeter pancake review. Um, so shooting with this a lot, still, you know, just really liking this on the R8. It's a it's a great compact package. And, you know, unfortunately for this review, I wasn't able to sneak in any Astro. But since, you know, on the in the latest trip that I took to, you know, take shots with the 100 to 400, I took a lot of, not a lot, but I took um, a decent Milky Way shot, the 28 millimeter pancake. And so like I can make a quick follow-up, you know, companion video with some of the Astro as a direct comparison to the RF 35 millimeter, just include some of those little snippets that probably in a perfect world I would have had done and included to make a 10 minute video on this lens. We'll see, we'll make a five minute video, maybe focused around the comparison to the 35 and kind of pitch it like that as a comparison um, because I won't be keeping the 35 for all that much longer. So maybe one last pitch comparison between those two and hope that they kind of work well as a companion, um, two pieces of content that make sense to watch back to back and thus get suggested amongst each other. Uh, so we'll see about that. So that's all for 2800. Let's see what episodes we have coming up. So episode five, 2900, I think originally we said we'd focus on freelance, YouTube and podcasting, kind of an update on this process, this journey. I think we'll probably keep to that. Again, might record that cross-legged on the floor as I move out tomorrow. And uh, after that 3000, probably, I think I was gonna do Lightroom, editing, presets, masking. Photoshop, things like that. And that might be good to still cover at 3000 because there's a lot of that going on in the 100 to 400 video to make the most out of those images at F8. But we might focus on um, the recut sponsorship and if not, shortly thereafter. So that's what I've got. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.